This episode of On the Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles curbside pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Well, hey, everybody. Mike Griffith here. Welcome to tonight's Ingles On the Beat. And uh, a lot of football to talk about. Obviously, George is finally going to get a road challenge. And in the SEC at that, at Auburn, of course, Auburn Tigers had a tough time with Texas A&M last Saturday, but that was a real tussle and a tightly contested game. I don't think the final score was necessarily indicative of how closely the Auburn Tigers played against A&M before falling 27-10. First things first, let's talk about Georgia. Kirby Smart. Uh, today at the press conference, I think they're hopeful that Lad McConkey will play this weekend. Lad will be in practice. They're going to see what he can do. Uh, the previous two weeks, he'd sort of been shut down, but this week he will practice. And obviously, if they can get number 84 back on the field, I think that would open up a lot of things in this offense. I've said it before. I think Lad McConkey is their Christian McCaffrey. I, I love what Lad does in the open field. His ability to take the top off the defense, I think, is really big and will give Carson back a lot more room to operate. We talked with Brock Bowers today, and, and this is the guy that just continues to impress me because you know he's been dealing with a groin. And this is the kind of injury that just kind of lingers, that you get treatment for, that you try to rest. Um, and, but it, but it's, it's a painful injury that, that guys have. It's one of the bumps and bruises that you hear about football players playing through. And it's, just, it's not like a video game where it's all, it's all better, it just goes away. Uh, but Bowers was fantastic last week with the nine catches and the two touchdowns. Big stat to pay attention to, 110 of his 121 yards came after the catch. And that means that Carson's thrown that little quick pass, the 100% pass, right? Not the 50-50 ball downfield, the 100% quick pass, and then letting Brock Bowers operate after the catch. And you've seen the same thing uh, with Dominic Lovett. You'll see the same thing. With Lad McConkey. We have seen Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint go downfield. Uh, Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint had a 50 yard catch last week, and he's a really important part of this team. I think as Ra Ra grows and learns more of the offense, that's going to be big because him and Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint both play that X spot where Donnie Mitchell played last year. I feel like George is missing something there, and I think that those are two players that are going to continue to merge and get better and, and provide that perimeter threat. Um, just as Ladd McConkie brings such a dangerous weapon. In the backfield, I've been impressed with the growth of Dylan Bell uh, every week. Every time I see him run the ball, I uh, like his running style. He looks explosive to me. And Dejon Edwards obviously has provided a list with his ability to run physically between the tackles. Uh, really good vision. Defensively, Michael Williams will be back. He was sick last week. You know, that's your sacks leader. I think that's going to provide a lift. Uh, and I think Javon Bullard will be back. Uh, Kirby didn't come right out and say that. Um, but that's just my inclination is to believe that he'll be back at safety. So I think Georgia will be as healthy as they've been in a while. And I think they're going to need to be. Um, you know, Jordan-Hare Stadium is a tough, tough place to play. And uh, I know that Georgia has won impressively their last two times there. But 2017 was another story. This will be the... 12th time that Kirby Smart has played in Jordan-Hare Stadium as a player or a coach. Played there twice as a player, won both times. Uh, he was an assistant coach at LSU when LSU went in there and won. And then he was an assistant coach at Alabama um, you know, for a handful of games. Overall, 8-3 and three 
in Jordan-Hare Stadium. So Kirby, very familiar with uh, the Plains of Auburn. Uh, certainly he embraces the rivalry and he'll have his guys jacked up. And really last week he was working with uh, a lot of noise. Uh, Brock Bowers and Jamon Dumas-Johnson told us today that, you know, Kirby was blowing out the speakers last week because there's really no way to uh, simulate the stadium except that high noise. And even then, as Kirby said, noise isn't the only factor. Obviously, there's a lot of people there, and it's a different environment that you're not used to. Now, the field's still 100 yards. Um, Goalposts are the same. But it, when you go on the SEC on the road, it's like Brock Bauer said, you have to embrace that villain mentality, right? You're the bad guy. Everybody in the stadium is booing you. Well, most of the people in the stadium. I think they'll be – I'll bet you some Georgia fans. I'll bet you we see 10, 15,000 Georgia fans in Jordan Hare Stadium. I think Bulldog fans are going to travel for this one, buy some tickets. But still, um, it is going to be a partisan crowd. Uh, it is a 3.30 game. Uh, it's a CBS game, so it's an afternoon game. Uh, we just got word that the Kentucky game following week uh, is going to be another night game in Sanford Stadium. So uh, we saw Georgia play against UAB uh, last Saturday night. Now you find out Kentucky. So those of you that wanted the night game, you're going to get it. Uh, obviously not for me personally, I prefer the day games because I like watching all the other games uh, at night uh, after the game's over with, but the environment will be good. Uh, the environment will be fantastic at Auburn and I'm sure Sanford stadium uh, will light up well for Kentucky. And that could be a really, could be a showdown. If Kentucky beats Florida, as I expect they will, uh, they play host of Florida. Sorry, digging in my pocket here to get my wallet out of my pants there. I expect them to beat Florida in Lexington on Saturday. Um, it's going to be a real battle. I think the line is one point. We're going to be joined in just a few minutes uh, by a buddy of mine, Ryan Fowler. And Ryan uh, does Alabama radio in Tuscaloosa and does a fantastic job. He's very familiar with Auburn. Can't wait to get his scouting report on the Auburn-Georgia game. Uh, I think that um, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. Uh, Georgia is a two-touchdown favorite. That seems like a lot to me, considering the way Georgia has played. I don't think we've seen Georgia's best yet. I don't think we've come close to seeing Georgia's best. You know, the slow starts, or as Kirby Smart has pointed out, slow scoring. They've had good starts, right? But then again, you know, last week early on, you know, fourth and two and and uh, Carson misses the receiver over the middle. Uh, you know, the 10 played, 54. Those are the plays that I think Georgia has to start making routinely. And those are the plays that we have seen when Georgia's at their best, um, they do make. Now, there were some games where Stetson was off too. Just to be clear, you know, Stetson wasn't always perfect. We know that, right? We remember Kirby calling him out. Remember Stetson calling himself out the difference was they had incredible defenses back then much better defense than what we've seen this year and when you have a tremendous defense like that it gives you a larger margin for error offensively and I don't think this offense has the same margin for error that the 2021 and 2022 Georgia Bulldogs defense gave to Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels at the start of 2021, for that matter. 
Uh, they put you right back on the field. You typically get pretty good field position. Um, you know, you can be off to a really slow start and play bad for two or three quarters. And if you play well in the fourth quarter, we've seen Georgia win like that, right? Or if you get a lead uh, and Kirby decides to shut down the pass game, as we saw him do at Kentucky last year, the defense is so good. You can do that. I think Carson Beck carries more weight on his shoulders. I think the Georgia offense carries more weight on their shoulders in regard to how they have to play to win games because the defense is not as good. The run defense is not as good. We've seen teams gash Georgia on the ground. And quite frankly, that's something that we're just not used to. So it'll be interesting to see how that defense loads up uh, what style Kirby plays, how much they're going to challenge. Auburn plays that two-quarterback system with uh, Peyton Thorne uh, and Robbie. And, and as Kirby said, you know, that dimension that they have with a running quarterback makes them really dangerous, not just in the red zone, but all over the field. So Auburn can get you a lot of different ways. Um, again, I can't wait to bring Ryan on here in a couple minutes and uh, he'll give us a lot more detail. But as far as this Georgia team right now, I've got them number three on my poll, the football writers poll. Uh, I have the Washington Huskies number one. I think they've looked the best. I have Texas two. I think the way the Texas win at, at Tuscaloosa went up significantly when Alabama took care of business against Ole Miss. And we're going to talk about that because to me, Al Alabama looks like the biggest threat in the West, uh, particularly after you saw Sam Pittman and the Hogs take LSU to the limit under the lights in Baton Rouge. So the season's starting to unfold, uh, starting to unwind a bit, and we're learning more and more about these teams nationally. Of course, you saw Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks take care of Deion Sanders in Colorado. And, and I wrote a column, and I said it was good for college football because – and I like Deion Sanders, so I, I'm not rooting against Deion Sanders, just to be clear. I root for Deion Sanders. But the way that Colorado built the roster by not renewing 50-some scholarships and just sending kids on their way, I mean, man, that's cutthroat. I mean, I know the portal is, is important and needs to be used to some extent. But to me, that sort of free agency is over the top and not good for college football. And the reason that win was big for Oregon is because if Colorado keeps winning, doing it, and then other systems go, oh, well, let's, let's all play that way. Other ADs tell their coaches, hey, just you know, slash and burn. And to me, that's not good. I want to see high school kids get recruited more than I want to see kids get recruited out of the transfer portal, right? So while I think the portal has a place and while I think it's been helpful, I think what Colorado's done is kind of over the top. And uh, that's why I think the Oregon win was important. Again, nothing to do with Dion personally. I, I think the fact that Dion is so likable and charismatic is why so many people are willing to overlook how Colorado rebuilt. Um, and, and maybe, you know, in their mind, the ends justify the means. In my mind, they don't. I, I think that this is an area that needs to be governed. At some point, there needs to be some legislation uh, to keep things uh, in whack, so to speak. So with that, we're going to take our halftime break. And when I come back, Ryan Fowler is going to join us from Tide 100.9. So stick around, and we'll ask Ryan all sorts of questions about the Alabama Ole Miss game as well as the Auburn-Georgia game and his thoughts on Deion Sanders and Colorado, as well as the Oregon Ducks. So we'll be right back after a message from our sponsor, Ingalls. 
Did you know that Ingalls sells more organics than any other store? Or that they run their own dairy? Or that they only serve USDA choice and prime meat? Did you know that they have more local craft beer than any place else? Or that they have energy smart stores? Or that they professionally slice and package imported cheese from Europe? Did you know about their giant international aisle, local farm partnerships, curbside pickup, wine department? Or that they donate 3,956 meals a day to local food banks? Well, now you do. It's all in the bag. Ingles, low prices, love the savings. Welcome back to the program. Mike Griffith here, and I'm really happy to be joined by Ryan Fowler from Tide 100.9. And Ryan, really glad that you were able to join us uh, here today to talk some SEC football, some Alabama, some Auburn. And I get, let's just jump right into it. That Alabama Old Miss game, to me, seemed like a real moment because Nick Saban's back was to the wall. They'd already lost at home. It was Old Miss's chance. It was Lane's chance to grab the torch out of Nick Saban's hands and the Tide one. Can you tell us what you observed and what the feel was like in Bryant-Denny Stadium? Mike, that first half was pretty, pretty, pretty sloppy. I mean, I'm going, okay, uh, is Tommy Reese really going to be able to get the, the, the problem solved, right? I mean, when you look at uh, that offensive side of the football, you know, I know that you're limited. And, and Jalen Miro gives you a lot. But he's not going to be a guy that's going to sit in the pocket and just pick a defense apart. So that first half, you know, we go into the uh, the halftime and, you know, everybody serves a little snack and we're sitting there talking and we're going, man, this this is ugly. I mean, it, it's hard to watch. I mean, it was just – it was a performance when the offensive side of the football, uh, you know, if you'd stop right there, you would go, okay, is Tommy Reese going to make it to the halfway point of the season because it just looked that bad. But then there was a switch. And it looked like an Alabama football team. I think you've really got to go back and give Kevin Steele a lot of credit. That defensive side of the ball, tackling, uh, showing you more of a, you know, to me, it was just a, it was a typical Alabama style defense. Uh, you know, the group tackling, uh, not, you know, making mis mistakes, putting pressure on Jackson Dart, uh, Jackson Dart and, uh, you know, when you look at Alabama, uh, the second half was great. First half, not so much, and uh, still showed some problems. They're still trying to find that offensive line combination. Uh, they, you know, they moved your left tackle to the bench, and, you know, there's no better motivator in college football than sitting on that bench. Uh, and, and he came back in and even showed a little bit of flash when you look at that left tackle and a true freshman, Elijah Pritchett, stepping in there for a couple of series. Um the injury to Deontay Lawson's one that you're gonna is gonna sting for a while. Hopefully they can uh, try to find a way for for the sake of Alabama's defense to maybe get him ready. Nick Saban did not provide a significant update, said it would pretty be much day to day, but he's the signal caller on that defense uh, defensive side of the ball. And if he's not able to go, uh, you could probably look for Marshall maybe to step in there. Jihad Campbell could be that guy, but Tresmond uh, Marshall is a, is a guy that has played some significant uh, time and he understands the system you know being in it at Georgia and also here in Tuscaloosa yeah Tresman Marshall's been big I know he's leading the tight end tackles for a bit there Ryan when we look at the Alabama schedule and I said a couple of weeks ago I didn't think Alabama would lose again in the regular season how safe is my prediction what's the next big challenge for the tide oh it's Texas A&M on the road you know I think Mississippi State will provide some challenges Mike uh, just to be honest this is not a dominant football team. I mean, it's it's a team that's probably going to be better in November, but can you make it to November? I think that's the question. But I think what helps you out 
is that this SEC schedule is very favorable, right? You've got to go to Mississippi State, should be a win. Texas A&M on the road is the toss-up. Now, if you get past Texas A&M, you feel much better because the game, you know, Arkansas here homecoming, Tennessee by week, LSU on the road at Kentucky, and then you got a non-conference game, then you go to Auburn. So there's a lot of winnable games. Alabama will be the most talented. But, but Mike, where the problem is, is to me it's the coaching staff. This coaching staff is not a top-to-bottom one of Nick Saban's elite coaching staffs. It's probably, it's probably one of the worst that he's had in Tuscaloosa, top-to-bottom. Now, I believe in Kevin Steele. I think the jury's still out on Tommy Reese. Uh, but but there's, some, there's some deficiencies in this coaching staff. So to answer your question a long way around, I think they'd be lucky not to lose uh, one game. Um, Texas A&M on the road, you know, with everything that's been talked about with Jimbo Fisher, you beat Alabama, that solves a lot of your problems. And then going to Auburn uh, down to Lee County is never easy. Who knows where that team will be at the end of the season? Well, as a matter of fact, the Georgia Bulldogs will be traveling to the Plains on Saturday for an afternoon game, CBS game at, 3.30 p.m., and I know Georgia's coming off a not exactly overly impressive win over UAB 49-21, but the Dogs are undefeated now, Ryan. Believe it or not, they've won 31 in a row regular season games. Uh, but now they go on the road, and they play a, an Auburn team that hung tough with AM. Wasn't able to do much offensively in terms of getting it in the end zone, but this is a team you, you keep an eye on over there in Tuscaloosa. I know there's plenty of talk about Auburn football and Hugh Freeze. What are your thoughts on the Bulldogs matchup with the Tigers on Saturday? I think it's pick their own score. Um, I mean, I know this is one of the oldest rivalries in college football in the Southeastern Conference, but when you look at Georgia, Georgia's going to be able to, to me, they're going to be able to match their score. Uh, Auburn doesn't have an offense. And, you know, you're talking about predictions a couple of minutes ago. I made a prediction back in August on bold prediction day that Hugh Freeze would beat somebody that he's not supposed to beat. I don't think that happens this week. I don't see it happening at all. Um, and really, I think I'm going to have to to go back on my prediction because that offense, I mean, Mike, you, you tell me, that offense looks worse than maybe what I thought it would. I thought Hugh Freeze would at least have it somewhat respectable. Um, I don't even know if it falls into that category. When I look at the Auburn Tigers, I'm not sure they're going to be able to beat somebody that they're not supposed to beat. So I guess my prediction is probably wrong uh, when you look at the Auburn Tigers. But uh, give them time. Hugh Freeze is going to be able to recruit. He's going to be able to get that quarterback. And once he does, he's going to be able to do the offense that he's looking for, uh, just not where they need to be right now. And, you know, Auburn, you know, kind of started out with cupcake, cupcake, cupcake. And, uh, you know, here it is getting in the meat of the SEC schedule. Uh, it's going to be very tough for them to to find wins. I don't have their schedule right here in front of me, but uh, as you look ahead, uh, probably going to be the underdog in the majority of these games. Yeah, well, it's not an easy schedule at all, Ryan. I mean, they're going to play host to number one Georgia, and then they're going to travel to play at LSU, uh, home to Old Miss, and then it lightens up a little bit with Mississippi State at home and road trips to Vanderbilt and Arkansas. I wonder about the two quarterback system. For the Georgia fans that haven't seen the two quarterbacks, Tell us what you know about Peyton and Robbie. Well, I think it's just, you know, if you've got two, you don't have one. And I think this is where it is now <laughs> to me. It, it's – and really, to, to be honest with you, I thought there was times that Alabama 
might even look at a two-quarterback system. And it, it's by default, right? It's not because these two guys are just setting the world on fire. It's to at least make the opposing defense prepare for two different styles. And it gives you a little bit of a leg up. I thought Alabama, you know, might be able to do that. But when you look at Robbie Ashford, we've seen him play in the SEC. Has he improved? I'm sure. I mean, he's improved some. But but it's it's just when you look at their offense, I, like I said, my expectations were that they were going to be better on the offensive side of the football. And it, it really is a reflection also recruiting, you know, and I think this is a lesson for all of us. When you turn your two-week notice in or when you're, you know that you're on the hot seat and you're about to get fired, you have a character and an integrity to do the job the right way. This is a reflection to me on the recruiting that Brian Harson. Mike, wow. he, it, was, it was a disaster. When, when you look at recruiting, there is no business that Auburn should be as low as they were in the recruiting side of things with Brian Harson. And, and to me, Hugh Free stepped in there. He tried to clean some of it up with the transfer portal, going out, you know, getting guys that he thought could really supplement his talent. But at the end of the day, Auburn is just, when you compare it to the SEC, it's just not where they need to be talent-wise. Will they get there? I'm sure Hugh Freeze, um, and I know they were bragging on that NIL slush fund uh, back in the spring when he, we first got there. I think they said something around $13 million. Uh, it, it may take $26 million, uh, to get that team back on track, but uh, he'll get it. He'll get it at some point. I, I, I like uh, Hugh Freeze as a coach. Not really a big fan of him as a person, uh, but as a football coach, uh, it's hard to argue with the success. For sure. Uh, you talk about NIL and transfers. I know Kirby referenced some transfers that came into Auburn. It sounds like with the talent that went out, this is a team from a talent standpoint, probably about where it was last year. But I want to talk to you about Colorado and Oregon. There's obviously been a lot of opinions uh, about what Colorado's done. And, you know, Ryan, my take's always been, I like, I personally like Deion Sanders. Like, I was a fan of Deion Sanders, the athlete. And obviously he's phenomenal, uh, charismatic, uh, fun. But the way that Colorado rebuilt with some of the kids, I think over 50 kids lost their scholarships. I, I kind of threw a flag on that. And I said, I think it was good that Oregon won for college football. And I've gotten some blowback. Where do you, where do you sit on the Deion Sanders Colorado program and the results of last Saturday's game in Oregon? You know, Mike, he just contradicts a lot of things, right? He says it's not about him. It is about him. Right. I mean, it, it is. And I think when you look at this offseason, you know, there's probably going to be a, a line from Boulder to Colorado Springs lined up to play for it. So when, when you think about that, but but it, it's it, it's almost I, I guess maybe I'm from the old school of coaches respecting coaches, you know, and, and really, if you look at Coach Saban, he'll say a thing every now and then. I know the Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M blew up. But over the most part, for 16, <laughs> 17 years, he's really boring when you talk about opposing teams. Because, I mean, I can tell you what he's going to say about uh, you know Texas A&M next week. You know, they're a tremendous program, and I got a tremendous amount of – I mean, you know, it's the same quote every single week. You just substitute the team in. But Colorado <laughs> is has been good for the sport. I think it's brought some young people into the sport that – you know, and, and college football needs to do that. So I think – you know, there is some positives, some pros and cons, but I don't like the the all about me. Um, when I look at, you know, in Oregon, you know, one for college football because, 
you know, that was a, a topic of conversation. I saw uh, before the game against Oregon that the publicity value of Deion Sanders was around $90 million is what somebody had done a study. And, I, and I'm and i not trying to plagiarize, but I don't know exactly who that was. But uh, so if you find the credit, please give them credit for me. But, uh, you know, that's a significant bump. And, and, and those fans out there are hungry. You could see it on, you know, ESPN College Game Day a couple of weeks ago. But there's just something that rubs me. And it's I can't even put it in words. But there's just something that rubs me the wrong way, the way that – because maybe it's just this is the style of college football, Mike. Maybe we're just old school, but this is where it's going. And I think if coaches don't adjust, uh, it's going to be a problem. This is the new college football. Right or wrong, it's probably here to stay. Talking with Ryan Fowler. He is a host of the show on 100.9. I Occasionally I'll get an opportunity to – go on with Ryan and uh, tell old stories of Alabama football yesteryear and, and new stories. I mean, you brought up the Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher conflict. That was, to me, that was wonderful. That was, that was one of the best off season uh, back and forth, you know, and I remember talking with Jacob Hester and he said, you know, and, and even Kirby, you know, Hey, this is what it was like every day at practice at LSU. I mean, guys do have dynamic personalities. They, they typically don't play out in public. Uh, like that one did. But, you know, there has been some obvious uh, off-the-field entertainment value in the SEC over these last few years. And Lane Kiffin did his part with, between his tweeting and his dog tweeting and looked like he was trying to rattle Saban and that really blew up in his face. Uh, I thought Nick Saban winning, Ryan, was a win for college football. I told somebody, said, well, what do you think about – I said, it's like Dale Earnhardt. You know, whether you liked Dale Earnhardt or didn't like Dale Earnhardt, you knew where the black number three car was on the track in every race and whether you like Nick Saban or dislike Nick Saban, you're very well aware of where Alabama is at and if they're coming to play your team. So I guess I would ask you this. I think at this stage of the season, I think it's uh, fair to surmise that Georgia and Alabama are probably the favorites in their respective divisions to meet once again in Atlanta. First, let me ask you, who is the biggest threat to Alabama in the West? Conversely, who do you see as the biggest threat to Georgia in the East? Well, I think for the game, simply it goes back to that College Station game because it's on the road for Alabama. So, it, it, And they go back-to-back. They go to Mississippi State this week and then Texas A&M on the road. Now, at, at long term, it's probably LSU. But that game, to me, is not free because as you just talked about Texas A&M, this will be Nick Saban's first trip to College Station since he made those comments. So you know they're <laughs> going to be ready, they're going to be hostile, and, and they're going to create an environment. And, and a team that has struggled with some of these snap count issues. I mean, you're going into game number five, and that was a problem. So you go on the road, they need to use Mississippi State loud environment to clean some of those things up because that was a problem. And and you go out there to Texas A&M and you give you know, them, even though their, their team is not where they want it to be, you get two or three turnovers and you give them some freebies, that one can 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 be a losable game for Alabama. Listen, the problem is, is Alabama, it, it's, it's the A is still across the chest, but this team at times, they haven't played like an Alabama football team. You know, penalties continue to be a problem. Uh, now, they, they've improved that area, but this team overall, top to bottom, you know, they don't remind you 
of these dominant Alabama teams. And I think you're seeing that with a lot of former players chiming in on the social networks going, hey, you know, this this is disrespectful. And it's just being Alabama sloppy. Now, the second half against Ole Miss, like I said, whatever, uh, you know, juice or, or, or energy that they provided in that locker room at Bryant-Denny Stadium, do it again because that team looked more like an Alabama football team. So if Alabama goes on the road, like let's say they go on the road and play Mississippi State, the way that they played South Florida a couple of weeks ago on the road in Tampa. Mississippi State could could pull off an upset. I don't expect that that will happen, but you play that way at Texas A&M, and who knows what what will happen. Uh, but they've got to – the defense, I think, is going to be enough to, you know, uh, to be able to keep these games somewhat close. Uh, but the offense is not where it needs to be. Wide receivers, uh, not, a, not a strength. Um, Still having to count on somebody to step up, and at this point, they don't know who that's going to be. Like I said, the defense, Kevin Steele's defense, if this team makes it to Atlanta, it will be based on Kevin Steele's defense inside of the ball. And as far as the East, from what you've seen, uh, I know that George is a prohibitive favorite, but uh, are you like most other people that have the trip to Tennessee circled, or do you see uh, another potential team from the East uh, that could emerge and give Georgia trouble, perhaps Florida and Jacksonville. No, no, this this is Georgia cruise control. Uh, they're probably working on some things. It, to me, it, Georgia, uh, you're already in Atlanta. You, you just you're on cruise <laughs> control. I mean, and and it really reminds you of what Alabama was a few years ago when you think about you know, just putting it on cruise control and seeing you in Atlanta. That's where Georgia, Georgia, you know, I mean, we could all talk about the schedule, but, uh, you know, when you look at the dogs, I think it would be a, I mean, it would be probably one of the biggest upsets in, in college football for them not to be there. Uh, I think they're there and they'll wait on whoever comes out of the SEC uh, West. But, hey, did I see a stat over the weekend? You know, when you cover one team, you're not able to see everything, but did I see a stat where Kirby Smart, 100 games, passed by, Nick Saban and Coach Paul Bear Bryant for winning percentage. Wow, that's uh, that's impressive. Um, you know, and they've kind of woken up a sleeping giant uh, when you look at the recruiting base and the resources that uh, UGA has. Yeah, no doubt about it, Ryan. It's been quite a ride for Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs now, two-time defending champs. But as Kirby knows and, you know, is I'm sure at some point he'll be reminded or has already thought about there was a 2013 team at Alabama, Ryan, that it was a two-time defending champion that went to the Plains as, I believe, a pretty heavy favorite to beat the Auburn Tigers, and that was when the kick six unfolded. And that was the end of uh, Nick Saban's shot at the 3 P. That was very late in the 2013 season, but Kirby was a part of that staff. I think it would maybe take something similar to that. Um, you know. But I'm with you in terms of believing that George is going to be in Atlanta I need to see more from the dogs, though, in the development. And Kirby talked about that today in terms of wanting to see that improvement. They've got a lot of big shoes to fill, much like Alabama. It seems to me that Alabama and Georgia are both in a bit of a reload mode. Neither one of them as sharp as maybe they've been in the last two or three years. Uh, one final question for you before I let you go. Uh, is this the year that an SEC team doesn't win the national title? You've seen Texas come into Tuscaloosa already. Who are some of those outside teams that you think could be a threat to end the SEC's dominance in the CFB? Wow. You know, um, this season I thought that Lincoln Riley might be with what Caleb Williams was able to do. 
but I watched them, you know, it, it was one of the games that I was able to get back home and I've already got all my writing done. And, and so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm watching USC and Arizona state. Um, I don't know, defensively, that doesn't look like a team that can compete for a championship. So uh, I think you got to mark in your head what Ohio State did uh, going on the road and beating uh, Notre Dame at home. That's an impressive win. Now, when I look at, at their their team, it doesn't seem like, you know, they're as strong at the quarterback spot uh, as maybe some of the other uh, seasons. Uh, when, when you look at Ohio State, no, I think the SEC um, – and I guess it would automatically go to Georgia because I don't feel like that this is – listen, I've covered a lot of championship caliber teams, and Nick Saban told you prior, and nobody would listen. They thought it was all coach talk. He said that he didn't – you know, he said that he likes the attitude of this team, but he's not ready to say that they could compete for a championship. This team will be better in November than they are in September and October. But I still don't know if they have all the pieces – uh, to put a team on their back and to say, let's go win a national title. I, I just don't feel it for, for, for Alabama. Um, you know, and, and by default, you know, you would go to Georgia. And uh, as, as you and I have talked about on my show, and I know you probably talked about it, uh, to do something historic, um, you know, it would be, you know, somebody needs to derail Georgia because, you know, what did they say about Alabama when they were winning all those titles? It was, uh, you know, you guys are making it boring. Well, somebody's going to have to step up and, and, and challenge the dogs because uh, those same allegations about Alabama's making it boring. Uh, Georgia could be right back in that conversation and make it boring for the rest of college football. Yeah, interestingly enough, some Georgia fans have thought that, that the winning is getting boring because it, there hasn't been the, the flash and the style points, as you said, and you're right when there's such success and so, you know, from your head coach on down, people anticipate that they're just going to roll the ball out and dominate and, and Alabama's had to fight, and Georgia's had to fight a little bit this year, and we'll see what happens to the Bulldogs on the Plains. I want to thank my guest, Ryan Fowler, from Tide 100.9. I always enjoy doing his show. I'm glad to have him on my show and get more of his opinions. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking Georgia football with you all today. Don't forget, every day at 10 a.m., it's Brandon Adams with Dog Nation Daily, and then Wednesdays at 730 it's Jeff Centel before the Hedges, his recruiting show. Uh, Kaylee Manziel does a happy hour show on Thursday nights. And then every Sunday, it's Connor and coverage on Dog Nation. So check us out, dognation.com. We have a YouTube channel, uh, and Dog Nation has a Facebook page as well. Uh, have a great week, everybody. <laughs>